Welcome to Sportsnet tonight across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you for a very abbreviated show, let's say, today, as this week we're doing little, little, little tastes, little tidbits of Sportsnet tonight leading into the MLB postseason. We're on tonight, of course, tomorrow and Thursday for these uh, half an hour shows here at 7 p.m. Eastern before baseball gets underway again across the Sportsnet radio network i'll be joined by sportsnet's own ben nicholson smith in a few minutes time we'll, we'll get into tonight's broadcast which is the al wildcard game uh, unfortunately between the new york yankees and boston red sox at fenway park and we'll also recap the season that was for the blue jays and whew, i am still somewhat in let's say a state of denial over how the uh, blue jays season ended let me tell you i uh, i spent a lot of time this year sitting here in baseball control in downtown toronto uh, as we have a lovingly come to call it, Ben Wagner and myself, watching virtually every game. And uh, like most of you, to watch Game 162 and see George Springer hit a grand slam, t- uh, one of two home runs, of course. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. club his 48th home run of the season. A relatively gutsy performance from Hyunjin Ryu. And, you know, all the things we have come to see and know and love from the defense. I, I honestly, I still am a state in a state of disbelief that this team is not in the, in the playoffs of even 48 hours later, it's kind of, it's kind of like the five stages of grief, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. I don't know when I'm going to get to the acceptance stage. And I don't know if any of you guys are at the acceptance stage. Uh, It still feels pretty fresh, honestly, but maybe that'll come next week when we see the results of the Rays series against either the Yankees or the Red Sox. And boy, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how much I would have rather seen, even if the Jays hadn't made the playoffs, I can't tell you how much I would have rather seen the Seattle Mariners make the playoffs over literally either of those two teams, right? I mean, I, I certainly will never wish for an injury on anyone, but uh, my, presu- my preferred result tonight is a 0-0 game heading into the bottom of the ninth inning where each team has to burn as many relievers as humanly possible in time for a walk-off by someone who is not a star, like a really just unsexy walk-off, like a bunt single by Christian Vasquez, let's say. And then the Rays just stomp all over the Red Sox and the ALDS. Is that too, is that too much to ask, baseball gods? Is that too much to ask here on, here on a Tuesday? Is that too homerish to say? No, you know what? I think, the, I think Blue Jays fans would be okay with that as long as either the White Sox or the Astros take care of the Rays in the ALCS. My official prediction, I'll say this for the playoffs, is that it'll be Rays Astros in the ALCS. Astros win, and then the Astros beat the Dodgers in the World Series again, which honestly would truly bring about a glorious meltdown on social media and on the text line. I bet. Can you imagine? Like, just think about that for a second. Can you imagine what the result of the Houston Astros beating the Los Angeles Dodgers again? And I mean, again, you know, it's. Crazy to say again, considering that the whole cheating scandal on the, the Astros World Series ring was back in, in 2017. It feels like an eternity ago, um, and more so because of the pandemic. But I can't even imagine the amount of garbage can jokes we'll see. Just get them ready now, because it is going to be great. But again, you're listening to Sportsnet tonight here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you for another 20 minutes or so. We'll connect with Ben Nicholson-Smith from sportsnet.ca very shortly. But if you want to text us at 590-590, text me at 590-590. Leave your name and location as always. We'll try and read a couple of those texts on the air. You can text me about, 
you know, anything you're feeling about the Blue Jays season that was, you can text about tonight's game. Maybe I'm sure there are a small contingent of people listening who are Yankees and or Red Sox fans. Actually, I shouldn't say and. Imagine you were a Yankees and a Red Sox fan. That'd just be something else, right? So I imagine uh, either fan base of uh, fan bases of either team, I should say, are, are probably listening. So if you want to text about the game itself, that's also cool. But as we've been doing uh, pretty often over the last let's say 48 hours at this point, we've been kind of eulogizing the Blue Jays season that was. So if you want to text in about anything, your thoughts on the season, Charlie Montoyo, probably remaining manager of the Blue Jays, George Springer's performance this year, an up and down year from him, largely due to injury, the starting rotation, Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon's deals. You can always text us at 590-590, name and location. But let's bring in Ben Nicholson-Smith into this conversation. Of course, baseball writer and editor for sportsnet.ca and co-host of the terrific at the letters podcast, Ben, thank you for joining me. And I guess I know we're going to talk Yankees and Red Sox at some point here, but let's start by talking about the blue Jays. I just want to ask you, how are you feeling 48 hours after the season ended here in the city? Yeah, it was a great finish, right? Like the, the blue Jays gave us a week of must win baseball games. And that's pretty fun. It's also pretty um, exhilarating, exhausting. Sometimes those two things go together. Um, it, it was fun to, to have the Blue Jays back in Toronto for a couple of months and for them to give us that push for the playoffs was pretty entertaining and pretty memorable. And so, yeah, for me, it's been kind of resetting a little bit. Um, obviously, I had some uh, you know contingencies ready for if the Jays were going to continue and what that would have meant for me and for our coverage. And so, of course, things are shifting now, but um, yeah, I, I really do think it was a memorable run and this team was really good. It just didn't work out for them. I know you've done some, some traveling uh, with the team, you know, throughout the, since they, especially since they returned to Toronto and you've gone to a couple different places, different venues and so on. And uh, the coverage at sportsnet.ca, you, Hazel, Arash, Arden, Shy, Jeff, like the whole, the whole team has uh, been absolutely phenomenal as usual, but it's funny. I, I, uh, you mentioned the last week of must win games. I had managed to get down to the second game of the Yankees series against uh, the Blue Jays Yankees at Rogers Center this past week. And uh, that was the first baseball game I had been to, I think, since the end of 2019, because, of course, because of the pandemic. And I got to say, I that was the first time I'd experienced a cheering excited crowd in quite literally over two years. And I got to say, it made me a little made me a little misty eyed. The energy was infectious, I got to say. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, the energy was there. And it's really like it, it really was something that we previously got used to and previously took for granted, of course, the chance to be at these games. And then it was taken away from us. And so, you know, for me, those that kind of feeling of, whoa, this is back like this is this is pretty exciting um, was was probably kind of end of July, early August when the team first came back. And of course, there's there's also an adjustment that comes with that, because we have become used to having our own space and not being around people in groups of tens of thousands. So it, it, for me, at least it definitely took an adjustment and then it became normal again, very quickly. And so, you know, now, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're heading into the 2022 season expecting that the Jays will play their full season here and that um, we can kind of continue uh, with, with the watching baseball games in Toronto and Canada, which is great. And having, not had that for 18 months or whatever it was certainly reminds us that it's great to have the actual baseball team playing in the city of Toronto. Chatting with Ben Nicholson Smith here uh, from sportsnet.ca. So, you know, Ben, we've been talking a lot in the last few days about 
all of the near wins that the team, you know, just missed out on the bases loaded walk in the bottom of the ninth against the Rays and Marcus Simeon booting a routine throw against the Tigers or any number of the Roar, Chatwood, Bergen, whatever, you know, Zoic meltdowns from the early and mid part of the season. But I, I want to ask you, does, does that perspective also maybe ignore a lot of games that the Jays, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't have won like, you know, Simeon walk-offs in a zero zero game. And then again, against his old team in the athletics and huge comebacks and so on, like all, all other similarly improbable things, I would say. Exactly. And I think that's the nature of a, a season that ends in such painful fashion and where it was so close. Like they were really so close. They did their part and swept the Orioles and they won 91 games in the toughest division that's existed in my lifetime. And they still were finishing strong and they had things lined up with Barrios for 163 with Robbie Ray for the wildcard game. This is a really good team. And so when they miss, I think it makes sense to go back and try to look for spots where things could have shifted. And the reality is every one of those answers that people settle on is right. You could say if they had got more production at third base or if they had had a healthy George Springer or if, any one of the other things that you mentioned had unfolded differently, then we'd be talking about a different result and it wouldn't be Yankees Red Sox that's about to take place. And that's maybe painful or maybe just a reminder that they were that close. And yeah, if, you know, and the same thing goes for the Red Sox and Yankees and the way their season unfolded. If Nelson Cruz hits one home run on Sunday and the Rays are not shut out, then the whole thing moves ahead differently. But the reality that we're living in has the Blue Jays on the outside looking in. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, it's a strange, maybe a, I know for some uncomfortable and sad uh, reality, but uh, I think, I think the good part of the good news is when you look ahead, now that we can do the off season, look ahead for the Blue Jays and certainly they're going to be a very busy winter, I would imagine, but the young nucleus of this, of this team, when you talk about Bo and Vladdy and certainly guys who are already here, like George Springer, you look at the, the starting rotation and you for sure already have Hyunjin Ryu and Jose Barrios and Alec Manoa as a part of that rotation going forward. Like, sure, they're going to have to build on that. They, and we're going to talk about the Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon potential contract deals for them uh, over the next couple of months as well. But the nucleus of this team is such that it feels much different for a 91 team, 91 win team to miss the playoffs than it did, for example, after seasons ended in 2015 and 2016, because the core of that team was much, much, much older. And it was their basically, basically last hurrah to win a world series. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's fair because this team is young and they've got more chances, at least four with Vlad and Bo, you know, at the same time, as we're about to watch Kyle Schwarber, you know, the grizzled veteran and Anthony Rizzo, the, the, you know, the grizzled veteran on the Yankees, like they were once the young core of the Cubs, not very long ago, like five years ago. And so these things shift quickly and every chance you get is precious. And this was a chance that they had and they missed it. And that sucks if you're the Blue Jays or if you're a Blue Jays fan. Um, But Hey, I mean, your other point is also true where, if you're looking at this group, they're not going anywhere. They are positioned for long-term success. The Blue Jays have still a good farm system with the guys like Gabriel Moreno, who have yet to come up. So it's a strong young core. And if you have a few superstars like Vlad and Bo and Springer to build around, you're in a great spot. And they have more money to spend. I think they're going to spend more money. They really should be one of the best teams in the American League for the next few years, if not longer, and that's a great place to be. 
So, you know, let's look ahead to the offseason, Ben. We're chatting with Ben Nicholson-Smith here on Sportsnet tonight as we are uh, chatting some Blue Jays, getting you set as well in, a, in short order for Yankees-Red Sox, the AL wildcard game here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Um, in the in the offseason, Marcus Simeon, obviously, he's going to be highly coveted. We've talked about him a couple of times. But when you, when you add in guys like who are going to be free agents, guys like Carlos Correa, Javi Baez, uh, Corey Seager, I'm sure, Trevor Story, another guy. Where where does Semyon fit in considering his production was basically entirely at second base this year? Or or does that production being at second matter less to teams because they know he has played shortstop basically every year prior to this one? I, I think he's going to be one of the most coveted free agents out there. Like I, I just don't see how he couldn't be. He's one of the best players out there. The results speak for themselves. He's a great defender up the middle. You are going to hear, the more you ask around about Marcus Semien in Major League Baseball, the more you hear from people who really respect his work behind the scenes and his preparation and the intangibles that he brings. So I have very little doubt that he's going to be coveted. Now, if you're looking at a guy who I believe is 31 years old, then his chances of landing you know, that seven, eight-year deal that Carlos Correa lands, that's not is likely to happen. Um, and so, you know, are you looking more at a five-year term, kind of similar to what Springer got? That, that's certainly imaginable. Um, five years at a nice, uh, hefty AAV makes sense to me for Marcus Semien. Um, and, you know, you, you're not going to see every one of those free agent shortstops land there. Like he'll probably, I, I think Correa is still probably the number one, but and should be. But, you know, beyond that, I see no reason that Semyon can't be right there with the Corey Seegers of the world. So then when you're looking at free agents, then considering that Bo is probably entrenched at the shortstop position, and I know there were a lot of conversations and you and I had these conversations in the early part of the season about these, those same things, you know, whether or not Bo's future is at shortstop for this team. I think over the last, you know, maybe like maybe since the all-star break, let's say the, the defensive performance from basically everyone on this team, including Bo was much improved. And I think that kind of, uh, you, you know, uh, helped people along to, to think that Bo will obviously be sticking in the club sees him as a long-term shortstop. So if that's the case, then do you think that Simeon would return to play second or do you think he really wants to play shortstop? Well, uh, you know, he's clearly open to coming back to Toronto. I asked him this on the weekend after the last game of the season. And my impression was this is a guy who's very clearly open. This is what he's saying. He's, he's open to returning to Toronto. And he knows who Bo Bichette is, and he knows what position he plays. So I, I think when he says, I'm a shortstop, what he's doing, and he's a, a deliberate guy and a smart guy from from what we can see. So, you know, he seems to be choosing his words carefully. And when he says, I'm a shortstop, I think he is opening up the possibility of shortstop. He is not closing down the possibility of second base. And why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you keep two positions open if you could play them both and play them both well? Then you're just going to create more opportunities for yourself if you're truly open to doing either one. Yeah, like you said, probably probably the wise move uh, from a from a career standpoint, value wise for him, because yeah, Marcus Simeon, uh, whether it's the Blue Jays or someone else, is going to get absolutely paid in a in a mere handful of months. Because once the World Series is over, we're going to see a lot of rumors, I'm sure, Ben, uh, for uh, the destination uh, possibilities outside of Toronto for uh, Marcus Simeon. So you know, after potential deals for uh, certainly Robbie Ray as well and Simeon, what is what do you think is on the shopping list for you when it comes to offseason needs for the Jays? Like, is it you know do you do you put the starting pitching at the at the top of the top of the list? Do you put a third baseman? Do you put the bullpen? Where do you go with that? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I wouldn't necessarily frame it as after those guys because I think the way the Blue Jays approach it is going to be to try to start at the top, and that includes those guys, but I don't think that they're putting Robbie Ray on a pedestal and waiting for him to make a decision before they go ahead with their offseason. So, you know, with that being said, Ray and Semyon both had tremendous success here in Toronto, and by all accounts, most importantly their own, enjoyed playing here. So I think both are in the picture when it comes to returning here. Now, they're both obviously going to be expensive, so the Blue Jays need to be prepared for the fact that they might not retain one or both of them. And that means having conversations with the other top free agents out there. And based on what we've seen in the last couple of winters from the Blue Jays, signing Ryu, signing Springer, being in on the LeMayhews and the Hendricks and the Brantleys and all of these top free agents, it's pretty clear that this is the way the Blue Jays are now operating. They are going to check on the top free agents. They're going to have conversations with them. And they're going to explore deals. And some of them they're going to sign. Most of them, they won't. I mean, that's just the nature of free agency. Most free agents are going to sign with the 29 other teams. But some of them will sign in Toronto. And, you know, that might sound extremely obvious and vague, show. So, you know, forgive me. But they're going to approach it in a very thorough way. And they're going to land some good players. Well, I think gone are the days where people would say, oh, boy, well, the Jays never spend. They ne- they're never going to open the wallets. And they never write the big checks. And I think like you just said, like the 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 propensity and, and the, the track record of signing guys like Ryu and George Springer over each of the last two offseasons, I think shows that this club and specifically Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are are not operating perhaps under the same mentality they they operated for some periods of time in Cleveland, right? Like I think there was some criticisms when they came to Toronto initially a number of years ago that they were going to uh, people were afraid, let's say, that they were going to operate the Blue Jays like they were a small market team, but I think those concerns by and large have been pretty well alleviated by Ryu and and Springer and then by the other deals like the Simber deal and the Richards deal for example. Well, if someone watched the Blue Jays go through the 2020 season and not draw a single fan in attendance and then proceed to outspend every single major league team and still doubts whether they're going to spend, then that person is not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I 100% agree. Cause like that, it's just, it, there, you, there's no basis for it anymore. Right. Maybe a couple of years ago, maybe I suppose, but yeah, like you said, after opening the, uh, the, the purse strings, let's say for after the pandemic and all the hardships that brought for everyone, not just, not just major, major, you know, sports franchises, but everyone in the world. And they, they still do that. I think goes to show that, uh, that, that is where they're leaning. Okay. I only got a couple more for you before I let you go. Uh, if Jose Ramirez, let's say is the coveted potential acquisition at third and that's too pricey whatever the cost whatever the the ask is from cleveland it's too pricey for the blue jays let's just say in this for the sake of this conversation would you feel okay going into next season with santiago espinal as the everyday third baseman or is he still a utility guy and you're still going to go for maybe a smaller upgrade at third base it's a good question i think you know determining what espinal can be is is a really interesting one for the jays here um I, I think there will be scenarios that the Blue Jays consider that have Espinal playing a lot, um, whether it's at second base or whether it's at third base. Um, I, I don't think that they hand him a job on a silver platter. I don't think that they let the really impressive 250 at-bat stretch that he had close them off from other infielders that have the potential to make this team good. But, you know, 
to me, the best case scenario probably has Biggio on the bench, Espinal on the bench. You've got a catcher on the bench. Um, you know, one one other player, obviously an outfielder at that point. Um, and, and if you have to play Espinal and Biggio at second base for an extended stretch, then that's fine. But I, I really would aim higher with, like you said, guys like Jose Ramirez, Marcus Semien. See what you can do there. And because Espinal and Vigio do give you some flexibility, mostly Espinal, because he really can play third and handle it defensively, then that's a nice internal option to have. So you're not operating from a point of desperation. But to me, it takes more like seven, eight, nine hundred at bats to really bully you. Um, and, and Espinal's had a good 250. We'll have to see what they do uh, at third base this coming offseason. That's good. That, I think, beyond the whatever potential deals lie for the in-house free agents like Ray and Simeon, that is, I think, the most interesting part of the ball club to me, what goes on at third base for the rest of the season. Uh, ben, before we let you go, uh, let's discuss Yankees-Red Sox real quick. Yankees-Red Sox uh, lead the Red Sox, I think, 12-11 all-time in the postseason. And I see on the Sportsnet predictions, you, Arden, Blair, and Shy are all going with the Yankees over Boston down at Fenway tonight. Um, that was put out on Twitter online earlier this afternoon. What do you think tipped the scales for you personally? Is it simply, is it as simple as Garrett Cole on the mound plus Yankees bullpen getting healthy at the right time? It, it really does come down to Cole for me. Um, you know, I think that he is the best pitcher in the American League. I, I think Robbie Ray should be the Cy Young winner, and I think he will win. But, but really, you know, on any given day that Garrett Cole is healthy, I do think he's the best pitcher in the American League. And so if you have that guy, on the mound in a big game, you have to feel pretty good about yourself. So, you know, the Red Sox were a good team. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised by anything in a one run in a in a one game setting because we see the unexpected happen all the time in these games, and that's why they're so fun. But you know, I, I if you're if you're asking like you know what what to predict, I think you have to go with the the more talented starting pitcher, and in that case, you know, Garrett Cole is really as good as it gets. Yeah, it's true. I, I, well, as good as it gets, let's say, outside of Robbie Ray. Can we agree on that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Robbie Ray deserves all the, the praise and accolades and eventually money that he's going to get. He had a fantastic, fantastic season. Absolutely. Ben, I uh, really appreciate you hopping on with me tonight. Enjoy the ball game. Enjoy postseason baseball. It is truly, uh, you know, we, we said the word chaos a lot this past week. Well, postseason baseball is equally chaotic. So enjoy it, and I'll talk to you again soon, my friend. This sounds great, Show. Same to you, and thanks for having me on. There he goes. Ben Nicholson-Smith, baseball writer and editor for Sportsnet.ca and, of course, co-host of the At The Letters podcast with Arden Swelling. You can grab that uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, uh, iTunes, certainly, Google Play, or Spotify. But, uh, yeah, look, we were talking with Ben. The uh, Yankees-Red Sox game coming down to it. Uh, pre-game will get going for that in about seven minutes' time. We're going get, to get out of here in about two minutes um, I see a couple texts here on the text line. Rosalie on Avenue Road. Simeon won't sign if he has to play second base. Bo is ensconced. Great word. Ensconced at shortstop. Uh, like Ben said, I think I, I do think of the two free agents, Robbie Ray is more likely to sign here. I mean, heck, the guy, he was the very first free agent to sign last year. And that was when uh, that was when nobody was signing. Remember that? And he and, and he I think he said on his, uh, you know, the media availability then that he was very much looking forward to working with uh, Pete Walker. So that being the case, I think uh, Robbie Ray probably has, a, you know, maybe a little bit more of a chance, but hey, I'm not going to rule it out because Marcus Simeon, like Ben said, um, certainly is open to staying here with the uh, the quality of this ball club and the, the relative youth, I would say, as well. And then uh, no name on this one, but I'll read it anyway. Sox fan in Barry. Bum, the Jays didn't make it only for my son's sake. 
He's a Jays fan, but tonight is what MLB execs have been dying to have. I always had the feeling Jays got some crummy calls against both the Sox and Yanks to ensure they didn't get to the dance. I was afraid of them for sure. Go Sox. So uh, that's from uh, one of our listeners in Barry. So thank you for texting. Um, yeah, you know, what's funny. Uh, you mentioned your son. I remember someone texted in to Jays talk, I think after the season ended, okay, or pardon me, called into Jays talk. And he just wanted to say that this season basically had created a fan for life, had created fans for life in his eight-year-old son and his five-year-old son, which is just, which is really remarkable. So I think uh, these kinds of squads, these young squads, whether your favorite player is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., whether it's uh, Bo Bichette, I think uh, they can create memories that last a lifetime. And you know what? If you're a Yankees or Red Sox fan, I hope you enjoy it because we never know what's going to happen in the postseason. So Yankees-Red Sox is next on the Sportsnet Radio Network, the AL wildcard game, Garrett Cole versus Nathan Uvalde. Enjoy the ballgame, everyone.